0: If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, but we are going to be all over the place, all right, this morning. I, uh, I, I have a lot of things I want to share with you, um, and, and because I can't tell you how important this little series we're doing, I'm so glad we're kicking off the year with it, because in a day when, you know, it's so, it's so funny to take a look around us. You know, and, and now I've been doing what I do long enough and, and to watch the fads come and go and well we want to be about this and we wanna be at that about that and we wanna be doing this and we wanna be doing that. But when it when reality, when it comes down to it, um when it comes down to it, it's it's who God's called us to be because we're his. And I know that sounds, you know, very elementary, but but it's real easy to miss it. You'll see what I mean. But we've been in this little series. If this is your first time, uh, you're fine. You've come in at, a, at a good time. Uh, and you'll be able to pick up exactly on what we're talking about today. But we've been talking about the church. We've entitled the series, This Is Us. Right? This Is Us. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a program on television that's popular. And, but when I saw the phrase, I'm like, that's exactly what I want to talk about. This Is Us. Because in order to be doing what you're supposed to do, you have to be who you're supposed to be. It's just, it's just, it's how it all goes together. So first of all, first thing I wanna talk to you about is church, what does it mean? What does the term mean? Because as I think I've told you every week since we've done this little series, is if you could just do your best to jettison out of your brain everything you think church is, and then just listen to what the scripture says it is just for a moment. Remember that church is not religion. Church is not institutional religion. Church is not denominations. No, no denomination owns the church. In fact, the church, the term church, ecclesia, it just means those who are called out with the message and a, and a mission, right? That's all it means. Those who are called out. And so, and I want you to know we talked about you know that is that it's not your church we're part of it right and, and no nobody nobody can claim okay this is my church this is my church why because it's his we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when it, when Jesus said you know that you know on this rock I will Jesus said I will build my church okay so Jesus is the builder so therefore, Jesus comes up with the plans. Therefore, Jesus comes up with the pur- purpose and the vision. You know, so many times, you know, I look around me because everybody's, and we've talked, we, this is a little bit of review, but I got to get you on the page, what I want to talk about. But everybody's got an opinion of what they think the church ought to be. And you do. But also a lost world around us looks at us and they, they have an opinion of what they think we ought to be, Right? But it really doesn't matter what you and I think. What do the scriptures teach us? In other words, the purpose for the reason that we exist. You and I don't come up with that. We discover it, right? We discover it from what scriptures. That's why I'm going to share so many scripture verses with you this morning. Because I want you to see it. This is not something that where we come up with an idea and we ask God to bless it. Church, we're going to, I mean, God, we're going to focus the church towards this, and we're going to go for it. We want you to bless us along the way. All right, better plan. Let's find out what he wants, and then let's go the direction he wants, right? And it's not complicated. Here's the issue. Here's the the whole issue. Again, I want you to understand the scriptures teach very clear that you, you are his church. All right, people, it's people, you know? You know, I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, I just, I love Jesus, but I just, I just don't, I don't like church. What's that about? I mean, it's like saying that you, that you love me, but you, but you can't stand my wife. Me and you are not going to be friends. Does that make sense? It's just not going to happen. Why? Because the two of us are one. You can't love one without the other. And usually people share that, that share that, I, God bless them, they've been burned in a situation or hurt. Uh, because of something that has happened, and and they've got this stigma, and and that's a shame. But I don't want you to understand is that there's something very important. There's something very important about this that you and I need to understand. We need to hear, and we need to learn, and we need to grow by it. In order to do what we're supposed to do, you have to be who you're supposed to be. People want to skip being who you're supposed to be and just say, well, we got to do something. We got to do something. Okay, yeah, I get that. But not before we are who we're supposed to be, because if you start doing what you're supposed to do is before you are who you're supposed to be, you will run out of gas or either something will blow up. People will get disunified, mad conflict will start happening. People will get their feelings hurt and it'll all fall apart anywhere. Anyway, so if you're not who you're supposed to be, you will not over the long term de- to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. So that's why I decided this week, next week, we're going to talk about doing what we're supposed to do. This week, I just want you to see it. I want you to see it. And the word in the New Testament, because church is a New Testament thing. There is no church in the Old Testament. Church, church, the first word use of the word church is when Jesus said, I will build my church and that the gates of hell won't stop it. So throughout the New Testament, there's, there's, there's several terms, metaphors, okay, that tell us, that kind of compare the church with different things. Um, the most used metaphor in the New Testament is the term family, right? Which is the title for today, okay? Is that we are a family. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about what that means in a minute. And I understand that that term is not always a positive thing in your life. Family is an incredible thing. It's an institution, kind of an institution. It's, a, it's, it's really an organism. It's a thing. But family is what God has ordained, obviously, in our lives physically to be a part of and it's designed if it's if it's functioning the way it's supposed to function it's designed to be a perfect place you know for people to belong to fit to grow up in and and to be taught trained all kinds of stuff but so many times in our culture right so many times in our culture it's not what it's supposed to be so people have a real negative connotation but I will tell you this Rarely do you have a take it or leave it attitude. When I mention the word family, that either has an incredible positive thing to you or almost a cuss word. I mean, seriously, there's no middle ground there. Well, it's the same with who we're supposed to be. But we're supposed to be a healthy family, you and I. And guys, one of the hardest things, I've been a parent now, I tell you what, when I became a parent, it really helped. It really helped me understand a whole lot of things. Because I was a believer before I, before I got married. I did not become a believer until I was 21 there, and I was married at 26. <clears throat> and so I can't tell you that I got this concept about lurk, looking in the Scriptures and finding out what an earthly family, a physical family is supposed to be. Martha and I. And then God gave us four kids. And so the one thing I learned, the one thing I learned that is one of the key, one of the key components of a healthy family, and it's this thing, right? And I had to tell a couple of my kids this a lot. I probably told them all this at least one time, but some of us are a bit worse than others, right? And so, but here's the statement, okay? Here's the statement. Okay, now listen to me, talking to one of my kids. Okay, you ask them? I can't tell you, but this was important because I learned early on. I'd look at one of my kids and, and I would say, okay, I want you to hear this, okay? That the family, this family, is not all about you. <laughs> all right? Because kids, some are a bit worse than others, and some parents, have an overzealous nature to where they make everything rotate around their kids. And I'm here to tell you, you're doing them a disservice. It's not all about them. And yet our own sinfulness, okay? And this is all of us. Some of us are a bit worse than others. I don't know what it is about us, but we want it to be all about us. In fact, you live in a culture that teaches you that it should all be, always be about you. Right? It's like the joke I like to say, you know, when I, when I hear a dad or a mom say, well, you know, I, you know, I just, I just treat her just like a princess, right? I said, you're in trouble. All right? Because whenever you treat a little girl like a princess, a little later, she'll start acting like one. And it all becomes about her and you've created a monster, Right? And it goes the same with the other way with the boy. I'm not picking on one or the other. It was just one I used. So when you think on those things, a family is not to be about anyone because this is us. And anytime we try to make it all about a person or a thing, we get out of balance, we get unhealthy. And we're able to do what he's called us to do. Interesting. So, and I can't tell you how many times, because I've been doing now what I do now for a while, and I'm just going to be pretty blunt and honest with you today. I'm not trying to be, make anybody upset, but maturity is when someone grows past the point to where it's all about them, and it starts to be about others. Maturity in God's family, right? Because Because... You just can't be a self-centered person and grow in your faith. It's just, it's just not possible. And so it's an incredible thing then in the life of a church, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, when, you know, somebody says, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking for a church that suits me or that meets my needs, whatever. I said, well, you've already messed up, right? You've already messed up, why? because you're basing your decision on you. Because as soon as this place stops being what you need it to be, you'll take your ball and go home, right? But here's the incredible part, is that the family is not all about you. Therefore, our desires are to, where can I make a difference? That's when maturity hits. Because I can't tell you how many times I told my kids I was not going to let. I only had a couple who really wanted to force their way to the front and make it all about them. They'd blow things up and create crises to make it all about them. It was incredible. But I learned quick because I learned this. I learned it from the scriptures and what a church is because whenever you have a group that has to be noticed and wants to be, or a group or a person or whatever, and they want to be the center of everything, it steals away from the cohesive and the healthy nature of a family. It just does. And so parents, as a, as a parent, this is not a parenting day, but don't let anybody in the family, including yourself, all right, be the focus or you'll get out of, you'll get out of bounds. You'll get unhealthy. Incredible. Anyway. I got to get to what I want to talk to you about today. All right. I'm kidding. All right. So this is a little bit of a review. Okay. This is a review of who you and I, this is us. This is who we are. And the greatest analogy of that is family and all of what family means, his family, right? And so I want to talk to you about that. And we're going to uh, I've run out of time, which I don't think I'm going to now, but I, I've, I've kind of, kind of adjusted some things, but there are a lot of Scripture verses I want you to say. Number one, we'll go through this part quickly, is getting into God's family. Now, how do you get into a family? Well, there are two ways. All right, number one, you're born into it. And then there is, in another way, it's, it's adoption. And the Scripture, how did I do that? I couldn't do it again if I tried. The Scripture, all right, i say ADD, I have trouble concentrating. All right, so the, the scripture teaches us, all right, two different ways, birth and adoption. But for the sake of the thing, we're just going to stick with the thought of, of birth. Jesus himself said in John 3 that you must be born again. He's the one that came up with the idea of church and that the church is a family and that being a part of God's family, you have to be born into it. That's why Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again or you'll not even see the kingdom. You're not even part of God's family unless you are born again. Basically what Jesus said in John chapter three. So in this analogy is that you're born into it. That's how you get into a family. Okay. In this particular case. Okay. He goes on to say, take a look in uh, James chapter one, verse 18. Stay there in Matthew. Cause I'll be there in just a minute. It says of his own, will he uh, brought us. Okay. Uh, Fourth, by the word of the truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits. Basically, the firstfruits is just another thing of birth. In fact, it's better, it's better translated that way. Galatians 3 says, for in, Christ, uh, for, for in Christ Jesus you were all sons of God through faith. In other words, you became, you became children, God's children, because you were born into his family. And there's a mystery that goes to that. But conception uh, leads to gestation, which leads to birth. And birth is a picture of something that wasn't there before that is. It's an incredible thought. Birth is an amazing thing. And science has shared so much with us with DNA, right? And, and children that are born carry DNA from, from parents. And, and there's this strong familial bond that happens in a family. And so I just want you to see it. I just want you to get the feel of this metaphor of family that's being used. You're born into it, right? You become his. That's why the scripture uses other comparisons like if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, right? That is something that wasn't there is now there, which is like what birth is, right? I could give you a hundred verses, but there's this picture of not whether you've joined, you know, you can join a church right, and never be a member. Why? Because it's not about joining. It's about becoming. I know I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to, you know, splice words. I'm just trying to just get this truth and I'm asking God, open people's eyes, let them see it. Because When you're born into it, you're you're his. Therefore, anyone who comes to him through faith, it says there in Galatians, basically and understand who you are, first of all, the great needs you have, then understand who Christ is and what he came to do. You put your faith and trust in that. The scripture teaches, all right? The scripture teaches that, that that's the new birth. And it's a work that he does inside of you. And so that is, God wanted a family. That particular picture, I don't know, it's incredible. Number two, number one, that's how you get into it. And a lot of us know that, you, you hear that, you've heard that, if you've been in church at all, uh, you've heard it's called the gospel message, it's called the plan of salvation, it's called whatever you wanna call it, but it's, it's this thought of what it means to become his. Not to, not to join a denomination or institutionalize religion, those are all man-made things. But what God does in someone's heart is what he's doing. Therefore, a church is not institutional, it is his family. And he's going to work in his family and do only the things that he can do through us. It is a remarkable thing. But whenever you try to box it in to say, this is what it is, this is what it is, then you usually rob the power of it. Anyway, number number one, then how do you get into it? Number two is the benefits. I hate that word benefits. And I don't know why I used it, but I couldn't come up with anything else because when you think of benefits, you think of like an insurance policy, right? These are your benefits, right? Or your health policy or whatever it is. That's not really the impact of being in God's family, perhaps, or the changes in your life or what it means to you, or anyway, it just didn't flow, all right? But we'll call it benefits for the thing, all right? But here's the impact it has in your life, being a part. If you are part of his family, I've met a lot of very religious people who are not part of God's family because there's never been a time in their life they put their faith and trust in Christ, and they're counting on some sort of religious duty or attendance or ritual every week that they go to to make them right with God when there's only one thing that makes a person alive, and that's Christ. And so when you begin to see it, it's not about being religious. It's not about being, quote, joining a church, okay? It's about something incredible happening in you that the Bible calls rebirth that puts you and makes you part of a family. Now, when you think on that, there are, several, there are several characteristics of a family. Number one is belonging, right? When you're born into a family, you belong, okay? You belong. A regular family or a physical family, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter what happens, that's, that's who you are, right? I mean, that is your family, good or bad, okay? <clears throat> the word belong is an incredible thing. You know, I, so many times we're, so many times that we are fooled, we fool ourselves. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, pastor, I just don't, I just don't seem to fit. Okay, I understand, you know, I don't just don't feel like I fit. I get it, I get it, I get that, I get that feeling. But remember this, it doesn't matter whether you feel like you fit or not, you do fit, right? So the question is, you're going to trust your feelings or the facts? That becomes the great question. Well, Jeff, what do you mean? Well, if you're a believer, you are part of his family and you do belong. What we're going to talk about next week is that some of us are pretty unique and different. But God's making you that made you that way, and it continue is going to make you that way because there's something He's going to use you within the context of what He's doing. So, okay, yes, everybody may but but the common thread that you and I have is is familial, is family. I think I think about my my family. You know, sometimes some of the greatest some of the greatest days of my life. You know, I look at my own children's life, but when they were born. I look down. I remember when they were born that is that I just, I had this incredible feeling of it that they're part of me. I'd never understood, you know, you hear people, you know, you watch when kids born, you watch them all go oogly googly, which is not really my personality. But I even, you know, after I held my daughter for the first time and, you know, and I went out, I went out to the elevator to go get Martha something to eat and I You know, and which I never do. You know, I, I told these three ladies on the elevator that I had a new daughter. Right? Why? Because there's something that's connective about a family, and it's it's instinct, it's instinctual, it's inside. Um, When it's not there, it's an aberration, right? And so you belong, whether you feel like you belong or not. In fact, one of the great steps to maturity is stop stop depending on how you feel and just start getting to the facts. This is who you are, and this is us, right? And this is us. Let Let me show you the Matthew 12 passage. Take a look at it. I love this passage, and I want you to see something that perhaps you haven't looked at closely enough. By the way, let me tell you this. My bet is very rarely, I mean, do, am I going to share anything during this time that perhaps you've never heard before, especially if you've been a believer for a while? You'll have heard these things before, but the reason I'm going over them again is because you and I need to be reminded who we are. Because when you have to live in the world that all of us have to live in, it rubs, up, it rubs off on you and you need, to, you need to be re-reminded, right, if I can say it that way, of who you are and then who we are. That's the purpose of this. But let's take a look at what Jesus said. Now, Jesus, Jesus was, was teaching a group of people in a home, and he has disciples with him. And as he's teaching them, it's all crowded in. Uh, a man came in and, you know, into the door and said, You know, Jesus, I want you to understand that your mother, Mary, and your brothers, okay, are are outside and they want to talk with you. Now that kind of blows the whole theory that Mary, you know, was a perpetual virgin, right? It's kind of hard when you've got three other brothers or, you know, you, you can read their names. They're listed there, right? But that's another thought for another time. So, so obviously, hey, your mother and your brothers are out there. And was, Jesus said something curious. It was a teaching moment, much like this one that we're having right here. But let Jesus teach us what he, how he looks at what, who we are. This is us, right? That's what Jesus said, who who is my mother and my brothers? Okay, he's not having a memory lapse. It's a thing he wants you to understand and these people at the time he wanted them to understand. He says, who are my, my mother and my brothers? And then he stretched out his hand to the people in the room and stretching out his hand toward his disciples. That is those that were his. That is those who have put their faith and trust in him, right? He stretches his hand out to them and says, here are my mother and brothers. So the church then is a creation of, of God's family. The Bible's filled with references of it and I'll share with you a couple in just a minute. But I want you to see how Jesus sees it. He says, listen, let me tell you what. When it comes down to it, God's family is much more permanent than a physical family, than blood relations. Why? Because God himself is eternal and permanent. So so they they ought to mean more to you than the others. It's not as big a deal in our culture because our families, physical families, at least most are not near as cohesive as they were at Jesus's time. I mean, at Jesus's time, the family... The blood relation was, it just ran so thick. It doesn't, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't, but it's not near like Jesus's time. But what Jesus is teaching here is pretty amazing. What he's saying to them is basically, hey guys, I want you to understand, right? Of what this is, who we are. It's a family and it'll become more important to you than the physical family. Not saying that the physical family is not important to you. But this is, this is his thought, right? This is what he's talking about. Therefore, if you're a believer here today, if you truly are his, then I'm a closer relationship to you than your own mother and father. That's what he's saying. That's what he's talking about. Why? Because it's a family. It's who we, this is us, right? This is us. That is why there is never any room for prejudice in God's family. Why? Because that person, if they're a believer, they're closer relationship to you than your own brothers and sisters. Does that make sense? See, this whole prejudice thing is is never hard to, never hard to debunk when you have strong, hard prejudice against people because of either their race or, or, or anything else, I want you to understand, or, or economic, or whatever you want to call it, I want you to understand is that you are off the page of who God's called you to be. Well, it makes sense though, it's his family. And if this person has become a believer, then they're family and they belong. It is an amazing thing. When you be, see, this is all simple, but I just want to give you a couple, of, a couple of ramifications of what those things mean to us. This is us. Jesus said, "These are my brother's sisters and mother." I don't know, I just found out. I just find it amazing when you think about it. So belonging, belonging. Let's take a look at First uh, John chapter three, verse one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, a family. okay? That's love. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is because it didn't know who he is. Therefore, we're gonna stick out, we're gonna look different. Okay. Beloved, we are God's children. And he he, he's saying this so, so that you can understand it. Look at the word, look at the next word. We are God's children when? Right now. Because sometimes I say, well, yeah, we're all God's family, but it's not really going to happen until we get to heaven one day. No, 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 no. It's not what he says. He says, that's who you are now. Interesting. All right? So number one's belonging. And let me just tell you this. Belonging is huge. Being a part of something. I've seen, I've seen people sacrifice their own personal identity just so they can belong with a group I think one of the great fears we have in this life is having nowhere, right? But if you're a believer, you belong, whether you feel like you do or not. And I understand for those of you who are loners, I get that piece. I can have a little bit of that in me, although I never have a chance to exercise it because I'm surrounded with people all the time. But I, I get the piece. If you're more of a loner, I get the piece because sometimes people are just, they just seem more trouble than they're worth. I mean, that's not God's perspective, but it can be, especially been burned so many times, it's just like, I'm gonna keep people at some arm's distance just because I don't wanna have to deal, I get those things. And all of us react different, all of us are different. But I I want you to see this, that's not who he's called us to be. Okay? So belonging, you belong. Number two is security. Okay, protection, whatever you wanna call it. God puts us together because we're his, right? It goes on to say in Romans 8, verse 15, it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, okay? Fear. What is fear? I don't know. Fear is one of those things that that rules our world, by the way, okay? Everybody's fearful of something. Usually they're fearful of losing something that they base their life upon, Therefore, for those who are part of God's family, there should be there should be a relieving of some of that fear if you're part of His family. But also in the physical family, I remember I was I was I was uh, I was an only child for about ten years before my brother came along. And my uh, I remember I remember how, to, how all kinds of fears as a young kid, you know, you know, especially at night, you know, dark and different things. And my dad just my dad was an air traffic controller, and he did. He did shift work, right? And I remember, I remember there were usually three shifts, but for some reason when he was in one particular place, one to nine became something he did a couple of times, three times a week. And I remember being a little guy at home with mom and, and not being able to sleep. I do, I remember it. And just fearful of all kinds of things, you know, somebody going to come in, whatever. But there was something about when dad came home and what it was. My dad was clockwork, right? He got off at 9. Took him, you know, a minute to walk to his car. Took him 15 minutes to get home. Took him another minute to get in the house. So at 9.17, you can count on him. And I could hear, my dad had a way of doing it. I could hear the key going to the lock. And he did this little quick, quick, uh, quick, quick turn. And then the way he walked in was the same. Closed the door, locked it right And he was just, he was predictable. And, but as soon as he was home, I went to sleep. There's something about a protective nature of being part of a family. But guys, I want you to think about this. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're not gonna have problems because, who else fights more than families? Good gracious, right? I, you know, it's interesting. I was, uh, I was, I was 10 years young, I had a little brother. This protective thought of being a part of a family, um, it, it's interesting. You know, when, for most of my brother's life when he was young, um, I didn't like him. I really, I couldn't stand him to be honest with it. And you know, ten years, sixteen, and six—I mean, imagine—and so mostly annoying, you know, and other things like that. But when I was eighteen, he was eight, and so when—and you know—he used to play out in the neighborhoods. And what I'm about to tell you, I do not ascribe to now. I'm just trying to prove a point. All right. But I was, I was at, he was eight, and when he was out in the neighborhood, there was this kid, I don't know, hes was 12 or 13, and he not only began to pick on him, but he actually, he, I almost say he beat him up, but he, he, he hit him, and he had a big red mark on his face, and, and a bruise came up. And, of course, he told me about it. All right. Now, when I was 18, I was the same size I am now. Now, it was proportioned a little different. I mean, I signed a football scholarship, right? Played linebacker out of high school. So, I, you know, it was a little different. I, I look about the same. And so, anyway, so, what, you know, it was a couple mornings later. Uh, I saw this kid, you know, and uh, I motioned him, you know. And uh, he complied. And, again, I don't ascribe to this, but I grabbed <laughs> I I grabbed him, you know how you do, and I could have lifted him straight up in the air if I would wanted to, but I didn't. And I grabbed him, I said, listen, you hit my brother the other day. You ever touch him again, I'm going to find you. And I let him go. Again, I don't ascribe to that. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, why would I be so protective of a kid that I didn't even like? because he's, he's my brother. I'm my brother and you're not gonna do that. I didn't like him, but I loved him. I didn't even know it at the time, if y'all understand. In fact, today, we're both older, I, 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 I'm as connected to him. Um, he's ten, still 10 years younger, but you know, when he got some sense <laughs> around 18, 19, uh, then we got to be friends, so hang on. If, if your kids are all fighting at your house, just hang on. It'll get there, uh, just the way it works, all right? But there's this security that comes. There's this feel of security that comes. I just want you to hear it. And it's the same picture here, right? It's the same picture here is fearfulness, of the world around us Fear, fearfulness of not fitting in fearfulness of being rejected right right it says you've received the spirit of adoption is the picture here which you can cry abba father that is as daddy he becomes your he becomes your father which is a pretty good thing to think about so we have we have this incredible sense then of belonging. And then and then, we have, uh, then we have security. A couple of things I'd like to share with you in that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 10, it says, "'Who died for us, whether we awake or asleep, "'we might live unto him. "'Therefore encourage one another "'and build one another up just as you're doing.'" I want you to understand, encouragement is a, is a huge thing. But those who are not connected, those who are truly are believers and you're there, you're not, they're not connected. They're left vulnerable. Let me tell you what I mean. The story that Jesus told of the prodigal son, where was the son most vulnerable? When he left, right? When he left. Therefore, everything happened to him when he left because he'd left the protection of his family and his father mainly, but the family. And he didn't receive it until he got back. And yet I can't tell you how many times, especially in our cultures, guys, you've got to fight against it. You will have to fight against it. Because you live in a culture, not only is it egocentric, not only is that's all that's been in most cultures, but you live in a culture that it's very easy to keep people at an arm's distance. It's very easy just to use your thumbs. Okay, to communicate with most everything you communicate. It's so easy just to do that. Why? Because because it's safer, we think. And plus, you don't have to deal with all that stuff. If you want to stop, just stop responding, right? You know, I, I can't tell you. I just can't tell you enough how important that this culture of understanding what it means to connect. Because I get it. I get it. This morning, okay, my wife's in, in Bethlehem, right? And that, somebody say, Pennsylvania? No, no, no. She's over, DJ was talking about it. She's over on the mission trip with those folks over in Bethlehem. And you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's an incredible thing to, to when, you, when you think, when I'm, I'm sitting there this morning and I wake up, right, and, and I love... I love that we have the ability to live stream everything here. Uh, Because Martha, she watched the last service. She texted me, hey, I've kind of hung back. I wanted to watch the service. And she's over in Bethlehem, you know? And she watched our service, the last service. She comes to this service, but she watched the last one because it fit her time better. And and so it's cool. It's cool to have a live stream. People like that or people who are sick or homebound You know, they can still be a part of our service. But the problem with it is that it can can keep us separate. I, I get it. I get it. Because this morning, this morning, did I say this morning? This morning, I'm sitting at home by myself, all right? And it's cold outside for Florida, all right? And I had a nice hot, hot cup of coffee in my hands. And I'm sitting there. And I get, I get the thought of like, hey, honey, let's just stay home this morning. <laughs> as opposed to going down there. I mean, we could get just as much. And no, you can't. You just can't. Let me tell you what I mean by that. And I, but I do get it. I just want you to know I get it. Because I would, much, I would very much be tempted. In fact, I thought about, I obviously can't do it, but I thought about, hey, why don't I just hang home and put my phone on the table. Hey guys, open right there with my cup of coffee. I can just teach y'all from home. What's wrong with that? I tell you, I tell you, the more it keeps us separated, I cannot tell you. I think it's going to be the downfall of the local church, so many of local churches, because you got whole groups or who are who are not getting together. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I have a granddaughter, right? I have a granddaughter. She's 20 months old. She'll be <clears throat> she'll be two in April. And I only get to see her, you know, two or three times a year, right? Two or three times a year. Well, three or four times. And and I, I just, I really eat it up. But every once in a while, well, quite a bit, you know, my wife does a lot more than I do, but we FaceTime, right? And, um, and I, I know everybody knows what that is, right? If, if you don't, it's, it's a video, it's the, you, you know what I mean. Okay, everybody got that. If you don't got that, ask somebody about it. Right? But we FaceTime, you know, and my daughter, Sarah, she props up, you know, this almost two-year-old and tries to get her to sit there. You know, and we all do stupid stuff on the screen, you know, to the little baby on the other side, and it's pretty cool. But guys, give me three days with her as opposed to 60 days on that stupid screen. Now, don't get me wrong, I like the screen because it's a whole lot better than not having it. But it does not replace the relationship that comes with being with someone. And guys, a family was made for relationships. It's who you and I are. This is us. And there's something that God wants you to learn about learning to get along with other people. I know I learned a whole lot in my personal family, my physical family, of just learning to get along. I watch my children interact. I tell you what, my son, we, I have three daughters and a son. My son learned how to deal with girls <laughs> in my home. Two older sisters and a younger. He got it from both ends, right? And he went, to, I tell you, sometimes when it would really get high charged, my son would just go to his room and close the door. Not say a word, he would just disappear quietly. So, but you learn, You learn how to deal with things in a family. I can't tell you how important that is. And if you skip it, well, you know, it's just about just learning so I can hear Jeff's message. There's something something about you. God wants a family. And the only way we're going to be able to do what we're supposed to do is if we're connected enough to where we can do it together. Isn't that interesting? I just want you to hear it. Because I get the temptation. I really do get it, right? I just may start preaching from up there and just stay in my house, you know? My, you know, my Tennessee t-shirt and my hat, and i would be great. i just, hey guys, what's wrong with that? Well, it's different. There's a personal thing that's not there. Number three, spiritual growth. Also a family is, is one that's designed to allow those who are younger to grow, right? It's, it's, it's what it's supposed to be. In fact, a lot of a family's resources and time goes into training, teaching, and helping those who are younger mature, the ones that God gives you, your children. It's the same concept in the church, is that you and I, who are older in our faith, right, then we need to be dedicating ourselves to the growth of those who are younger in their faith. When you fail to do that, then struggles begin. Immaturity lingers on, right? But, you know, I took it real serious. I I guess because I've become a believer and I was a believer long enough with, with my own children, I just wanted them to know. I just wanted them to know, and nothing was off limits in our house. They could ask questions, you know, but it became a great cohesive place. Martha was really good at it. It's not that I wasn't, but you know, Martha Martha would, she would listen to them for hours. I just couldn't do it, you know. I would get jumpy and I'd finally say, can you just skip to the end and tell me what what is it you need? But therefore God gave my children two parents that they both needed, that they needed, and Martha was just one. And then Martha on the other end, she, she she could be easily hoodwinked by some of them, right? With some of their manip- but that didn 't fly in with me, so we were a pretty good team, right but God put us together, and I want you to know this it's, it, it wasn 't a family that was like like what people think a family ought to be in our culture, or what people think that a church ought to be you know it's, it it 's not because teaching and training is not one of those oh, it's just so good to see all y'all. Oh, y'all are just wonderful. I know you just broke that, but it doesn't matter. No, it's real. Teaching and training is real. Disappointments. My own kids being upset with me because I'm not letting them do what they want to do. A family is a real place where tough things happen But it's a cool place that you can learn and rarely do children appreciate where they were brought up until they get a little distance from it. I know I was that way. My parents were not close to perfect. But I do do thank my dad for being as hard as he was because I would have been in real trouble if it hadn't been for my dad. But during the time when I was there, I couldn't stand him. Let's just be honest. So, isn't that interesting? It's a place to learn. It's a place where you learn, that, that you're taught, that you can grow, that you can actually grow. You know, I told you, when I, when I had my ch- children, of course, Martha had them, but they're ours, and there were four. Those were four of the most incredible days of my life was when they were born. But the most incredible was the first one because I had no idea what was coming down the road at me. Y'all know what I'm saying. If you've been there, I had no idea. Because I'd watched all my friends that were, you know, my age and older, and they started having kids. And you look at them, and they, and they, and you think, oh, you know, that's not going to happen to me. But when that first first little girl, she was born, and the doctor (coughs) put her in, (coughs) in my arms, and I looked down, and it didn't take but a few seconds, and I got it. I got it. This, this little girl was mine, right? Mixture DNA between my wife and myself. My responsibility. And there are lots of things she was going to need. So provision hit the table pretty quick. But then also, <clears throat> since I had been an unbeliever until I was 21, then the protection thing took over. And I, I know what this world's like. And so I began to feel that. And then the other was, you know, there's a lot she needs to know. And I want her to learn it from me and not from the world around us. Everything I'm telling you right now all hit me when that little girl was in my arms. Because it's a family. Right? And if it's a healthy family, there's no such thing as a perfect family. But if it's a healthy family, that becomes the atmosphere an atmosphere to teach and train. It is not the church's responsibility to train your children, right? That's your responsibility. But it is the church's responsibility to help those who are young in their faith grow. So, guys, you and I, as believers, being who we're supposed to be, if you've been a believer for a while now, okay, then we should not be about us. We should be about investing in those who are younger in their faith and growth. That's who we're supposed to be. Now, what we're supposed to be doing, we'll talk about next week. That's who we're supposed to be. That's just a family. And more happens along the way than it ever does with planned stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've learned the greatest teaching moments I had with my kid was not when I sat them down and had a class, right, with flip charts. No, it was along the way, right? It was along the way. Therefore, let us lead the elementary doctrines and go on to maturity. There's no greater, there is no greater thrill than when you watch one of your kids mature. Therefore, they start doing some of the things, not just in your eyeshot. Well, my kids always acted good in front of me. But you know what I'm saying. Colossians 3 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, it's something that all of us long for. I just want you to see this. This is really cool, right? Because a lot of us say, yeah, but just have some peace in here, you know, and God, you've promised it. And so I just see people who, who quote, let the peace of Christ rule in my heart, let the peace of Christ, as if they chant it, it's going to become true. But they failed to read the rest of the verse. Where does part of it, at least part of that peace come from? Well, look at it and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. What does that mean? That means that we're his. And that a lot of the peace that you will experience personally will come from us as a group, the body, which is the thought next week. Interesting, huh? You know, so many times people are like, hey, where do you get in line for peace, okay? I, I want that, where's that, where's that? Well, a lot of it you're gonna find here. Isn't that interesting? Look at the rest of it. Can you, can you go back to the previous before you, before you switch, look at that, it says, and the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it says teaching, admonishing one another, wisdom, singing, we've just done that, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, so thankfulness in your hearts. Anyway, number four, focus focus. I'm just about done. But focus is an incredible thing. Matthew chapter 22. Well, The greatest commandment, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of them all? He didn't even hesitate and he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Now the word all is, is incredible focus. And so much of being able in this life to do who, be who he's called us to be is being able to focus. All. I would say all is pretty focused, right? And being able to focus, being able to do those things, keep your focus because all of us are going to lose it. Things happen in our life, but there's no no such thing quite like a family, right? No such thing quite like a family to tell you when you've lost focus. (laughs) You know, having three daughters— I know I say that a lot, but I didn't have three sons. I had three daughters, right? And I was amazed at what the sisters could say to one another and get away with. All right, raise your hand if you had sisters, all right? I don't know what it was, but a sister had the right to tell her sister, that dress looks horrible on you. Is that necessarily what she wanted to hear? No, but was it what she needed to hear? Yes. And (laughs) I don't know what it is about a family, but only family can do that and get away with it. Anybody else does that, you just write them off and don't talk to them anymore. But you're stuck with this one. I don't know, there's something about it. There's something about focus, of not getting off focus, that a family member can look at you and say, no, 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 no. I wouldn't go that way. Oh, no, no. Whoa. No, you don't need that in your life. It's so easy to lose focus. Now, anybody in the family can help you keep it. There's a couple of verses I'll share with you and then I'll be done. Obviously, iron sharpening iron and the different things that go with that. All right, let's take a look now at uh, the final one. Now, is functioning as God's plan. I don't, have to, I don't have to spend long with this one, about two minutes, because this is what we're going to talk about next week. But here's the main thing I need you to understand and I've said it three or four times. Being who you're supposed to be will allow you to function how he's called you to function. Because how he wants you to function is as one together, not just one person. So what that allows you to do, number one, allows you to use your gifts, First Corinthians 12, 12, we'll talk about that next week, all right? So you can use your gifts together to do what he's called you to do, right? Uh, number two, right? He's a, it's a place to fulfill his mission. Guys, you can't fulfill the mission he's called us to do unless we are who we're supposed to be. But in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, it talks about what our mission is. It goes on to talk about in Matthew chapter and uh, chapter 5, it talks about you're your lie of the world. You know, Christmas Eve is the great picture. Guys, listen to me. Catch the vision of what's being said here. Christmas Eve, this room was packed twice. And then at 11 o'clock, it wasn't quite as packed, but twice it was packed. And I stood up here with one single light, you know, and I'm parading around up here with my light. Aren't I wonderful? I'm holding up the light of Christ, right? Right? But the impact was not the one. It was when it got to everybody in the room. And then when everybody lifted up, it was magnificent. I think people come just for the cool effect sometimes that that is. And that's the greatest picture between letting your singular light shine and letting us shine. Number three is unity. We'll talk about that next week. If you live in disunity, it doesn't matter what else happens. If you and I can't learn to forgive one another, right? Put on, put on, obviously, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Look at this next piece. All right? It goes on to say, but bearing with one another. All right? And if one of you has a complaint against one another, forgive one another, question. No family will ever survive that cannot learn to forgive one another. Why? Because you're all going to screw up one time or another. Think about my wife. We were such different people when we got married. And without forgiveness, it just doesn't work. And we were both believers. You know what staggers me? I'm sure she's forgiven me more times than, than I even realized I needed to be forgiven. I am not the sensitive, most sensitive guy in the world. <clears throat> you're shocked about it. So I'm sure there were things that I just bumbled over and hurt her feelings. I'm sure, I know it, I know it. And so forgiveness is just, in a marriage, it's, forgiveness is just a way of life. It's just a way of life. It's a way of life of any healthy family. And if you're one of those that every time they get their feelings hurt, that they take their ball and go home, you're just like the prodigal son who's running away. You're supposed to be there and make it work. Forgive. It's who he's called you to be. And yet in our culture, we've become so egocentric that if it doesn't match up with what I want, that I'm leaving. You'll never be who God's called you to be. And God will never be able to use you because he's not interested in using you alone. He's interested in using us. You'll find more out about that next week.